0: Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen-Biggs here, as always, with Blazer's outsider, Danny Meringue. <laughs> Danny? <laughs> oh. Are
1: we you, having a good time? No. You nope. got
0: some beats? You got some yeah,
1: no. beats? No, that's, that's, that's as far as it goes, folks. Don't don't get too <laughs> excited here. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just trying to You're find ways to... You're in a good mood to tonight. Yeah, I'm just trying to find ways to stay stay energized and entertained the schedule release was like the the, the closest thing to a bas- basketball iv that i've gotten so yeah i've, I've, I've got the slow drip on that got, kind of going right now just let kind of slowly you know yeah, they in really the veins
0: have us on uh they, they have us all on a string that is for sure yeah
1: so <laughs> waiting I, for
0: everything to come that, out
1: that and i think uh I'm trying to enjoy my life between now and the end of the season because I made a terrible, terrible bet or a bet with possibly terrible circumstances with uh, Chad doing. And uh, for those that don't know, Chad took the over. I took the under. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) We'll get more (laughs) of the Vegas line of 41 and a half. We'll get to that and my reasoning for that as we kind of break down the schedule. But the uh, I think the important thing here is that one of us is going (laughs) to (laughs) die. So we decided to do the Packy one chip challenge. For those that don't know, it is the tortilla chip made by Satan himself. (laughs) It's the Carolina Ghost Reaper pepper, the hottest pepper on the face of the planet. And this thing comes in a, a tortilla chip that comes inside like sealed foil, and inside the packaging shaped like a coffin. Like if you want to just go Google chip challenge, you'll just watch people I dying and suffering and stuff. I don't know why you
0: guys not have just bet like a nice dinner.
1: We were talking about like, doing something what's like wrong with that? Like something embarrassing or betting food, and like you know what? Let's just do something that's, that's you know going to play well on on TV and radio too, you know, because I think people enjoy watching Chad and I suffer. (laughs) So I was like, you know what, what about the, uh, what about the chip challenge? It was hilarious. He watched the video and was immediately like, yeah, let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) So one of us at the end of the season. That's what
0: happens when I let you out on your own, Dan.
1: Yeah. So one of us at the end of the season is going to be in in a rough place. Honestly, I kind of hope it's me that does it. Because if it does stick to the under pretty heavily, um, I think Chad said the Blazers would win more than more than forty four or something like that was the, was another line that he took. And if they don't get over that number, Chad's participating in the naked bike ride.
0: Wow. Well, so before we, yeah, we just start throwing out a whole bunch of numbers. Let's start with a little context because we've already put out a whole bunch of different numbers already. And this is going to be very numbers heavy. Well, it's going to be very date and numbers heavy, but not like, you know, the analytics kind of thing, but you're right. The trailblazers, the, you know, for the whole NBA, all of the schedules came out after the slow trickle of news, where first we learned that the blazers were going to be the, uh, opening game for LeBron in a jer- in a Lakers Jersey. So the that. breakers, and then they're going to be playing the Utah Jazz on Christmas. And then a few days later, the entire schedule came out. And I have some theories. Um, possibly, I might even say conspiracy theories. Yes. So I just, I don't know. I, th- I really think somebody there who's making the schedule has it in for the Blazers. Because I'm looking Interesting. at their I thought the schedule was going to be worse schedule. than they what they got. Okay, so here's a, few th- here's a few things that I will point out about mm-hmm. the schedule. So let's see, I, I had to take notes because I was just like, this is, this is, this is too, this is too much. Um, to start off the season, the Blazers have a couple of very important winning streaks on the line. They have their winning streaks against the Lakers. Mm-hmm. So they've won, what, 15 in a row against the Lakers. And yep. they've also no No, no, no.
1: Won... Uh, is it 15 in a row? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm thinking of home opener. You're correct.
0: And then home opener is yeah. another streak that they have. Is that also fifteen or it's somewhere uh, up in the mid to high teens? I
1: think it's seventeen yeah, or so eighteen. It's 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 a it's a ridiculously high number. It's, it's a, probably a number that a won't no be joke. touched. Yeah, it's it's absurd. And they also have a five game winning streak going against LeBron.
0: Yeah, yeah. LeBron hasn't hasn't won in a long time against Portland. So mm-hmm. there's all these streaks on the line. And I think somebody was like, hmm, what can we do? to disrupt things in portland let's go ahead and let's put all of the attention on the bronze opening night because it's not the opening night for the nba right that's like two days later yeah, it's the 16th. so people will have watched you know watched basketball for two days and they can just really focus on this game so all eyes are going to be on this game in portland with LeBron in a Lakers jersey, with all of these records on the line, and I so hope that that just motivates the Blazers like thirty times more than they would normally be motivated on a on a opening night. Because I think somebody was like, "Oh, we could really hurt Portland if they have a hard time with this one." Honestly, so there's that.
1: Like, I look at that game, and that's that's a game that I think Portland wins. Like, I'm not really high on Portland's overall outlook early in the season, but. For all the reasons you listed, I think that's something like we, we there's a lot of criticisms criticisms to be had for this team for this like iteration of the Blazers. But it seems like for the big games, now obviously the, the playoffs last year is a little bit different, I think. But I think for the big <laughs> games during the regular season, when has this team really not gotten up for it? Yeah, like they for whatever reason, like they know how to turn that switch on, and so for like all for mainly that reason and the the whole idea of of how big this is going to be on a national level. If you know all the eyes are going to be on the Lakers and LeBron, blah, blah. blah. I think the Blazers like playing spoiler in that scenario. Like I, I, for all, all of those reasons together, I think it comes together really nice for Portland. Now the rest of the schedule after that, it's kind of like, yeah, God, but I think that night alone, uh, that, and I'm putting all my positive energy towards that because as I've stated about 27 times now, it's my birthday. Yes. I'm going, I'm going to keep saying it.
0: That's two years in a row on your birthday.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: I'm happy for you. Yes, it, it makes I'm glad it, you can enjoy that. It, it, okay,
1: it's that's it's what I get out of this. Okay, when they push the <laughs> schedule back and they were like, "Hey, we're gonna now encroach on Dan's birthday. Let's make this a fun time." So, I'm, I'm putting all you my know positive me. I energy. I just
0: get, I just get super nervous for these types of situations. I guess it's like the mom in me. Like, see, just these are the like, ones that I, I think that, that I can't that, relax.
1: They're the best in. It's, it's kind of funny. that we we, we look at these. It, so yeah. differently when we look we at do look at them very differently w- w- when we look at the the whole situation so differently this the, this would be the one i would think that we would meet in the middle on and work completely opposite <laughs> on it that's so random all right so, okay, so what well, are, what are your other thoughts on the early parts of the schedule here
0: okay so there's another thing there's another phenomenon that i think is working against the blazers on this schedule and they're mm-hmm. they're what i call the ha 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 games because they're home away home away home away so there's two different parts in the schedule where the Blazers go on the road. They come back home. They go out again on the road. Then they come back home and then they go out on the road again, like all in a row. So in uh, in December, between the 12th and the 19th, they play at home, away, at home, away, like boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. So they're not. There's no. Well, there's one back to back so they have a back-to-back and then they come home from that and then they go away and then they come home again Mm -hmm. so that's bad enough but then there's another one in the later part of the season in april at the very to close out the season when they're playing all western conference people who are also going to be fighting them with them for the final playoff spots uh they come home let's see no they're on april 1st my birthday they are mm-hmm. at minnesota then they come home from memphis then they fly to denver then they come back home to denver and then they go to la and then they come back home for sacramento so between april 1st and 10th they have away a home away a home away at home
1: yes yeah, so they that's have why I call
0: the two, <laughs>
1: yeah that's six games and ten nights
0: Yeah, and they're but but they're flying back and forth.
1: Yeah, I know, and there's no, no. no, I'm saying it's six games in ten nights, and there's one back to back with one day off in between the rest of them. That's and it's
0: at the end versus all Western Conference people who they're except for Sacramento maybe that they're going to be you know likely in the hunt for if if you know as long as they're still in the hunt at that point. Yeah. So I think I think some person was like, huh, how can we make these? I I haven't gone over everybody else's schedule. I suppose other people, other teams may have the same thing. But right now, I'm just in my feelings about it for Portland. So. See,
1: those those ones don't bother me as much because those are better than, like, those those home and road back-to-backs, I think, are better than oh, easy for road you to say. back-to-backs. I don't know.
0: Well, I see what you're saying because you're flying anyway. If you're on the road, you're flying anyway. Okay, yes. I have another one. I have. A, there's another portion of the schedule that gives me concern. And that is the month of February. <laughs> the so, the seven-game
1: road trip. Oh, what, what, what would so, be a nine-game road trip if not for Golden State?
0: Right. Yeah. And the all-star break. Mm-hmm. So basically between February 10th and March 5th, except for... One game in Golden State, they are out of town the entire time unless Mm -hmm. they decide to come back home for All-Star break. And why would you come back to Portland in the middle of February when you could go somewhere where there's sun or play an All-Star game as Damian and CJ will? So, yeah, between February 10th and March 5th, they are on the road, essentially. Mm -hmm. So that is brutal. And then my final portion of the schedule that I am uh, tense about, let's just say, is right around Christmas time. That is also incredibly brutal. So that's the roughest stretch it,
1: of the schedule for me.
0: That they're in Portland where they play Dallas on the 23rd, and mm-hmm. then they have to fly on Christmas Eve so that they can play in Utah on Christmas. A late Utah and then, game. The, yeah, the late game, and then they have a day off, and then they fly to the Bay Area to play the team off in the Bay Area, and then they come back home, and they have to play that same t- m- team again!
1: And then a night later play okay? the 76ers. And,
0: and then you play the 76ers, and then... On New Year's Day, you're in Sacramento. You have to spend New Year's Eve in Sacramento. And I'm sure it is a lovely, (laughs) lovely town. And I think we should probably ask Isaiah Thomas about that. that. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I think we can all be glad that they were in Sacramento on New Year's Eve, but I just. I just feel like these guys really got the uh, short end of the stick. And that doesn't even count, like, the whole thing about them. You know, if, I'm the <laughs> if I'm coaching a college team,
1: if I'm coaching a college like, team, I can't think of a better place in the NBA to have my team spend the night <laughs> than Sacramento.
0: Oh. Than Sacramento? Yeah, like, yeah. like of
1: all the NBA <laughs> yeah. cities, I'm like, hmm, where would I rather have them spend I'm like, Like, Sacramento, Utah, or San Antonio? It's like one of those three cities. It's like, perfect. That's exactly where I want them.
0: Yeah, I mean the only the only good part I think is like at the end of it, right before that brutal April, like March looks pretty good because it looks like they're probably going to be playing a lot of teams that they're not competing with so much. But otherwise, yeah. Okay, yeah, so no, sorry that that is all my that is no that is my thoughts.
1: That that's your your breakdown on it. I, I get <laughs> yes. you. So, we're, we're, in order to make the the bets with Chad, I have basically the first three months of the season not going Portland's way. Like, uh-huh. I think they come out of October up above 500. I think November's a rough month. I think December, they're just going to get their ass handed to them. Uh-huh. I think that, that, that it, it's just not good. Like, December is a brutal, brutal stretch. And I know that people think that the, the road trip in February is pretty bad. The thing about that is there, it's, it's, there's a couple reasons that kind of go into me for me. That I think that they will be better um, than people are anticipating. That road trip really only has three teams on it that are, are really going to hurt you, and that's Philly, Boston, Toronto. Um, you don't have to worry about Cleveland or LA anymore. Um, the other thing they is, play,
0: yeah, I mean, they play Golden State right before the break, but yeah. you're talking about. But yeah, then you're, you're right like after coming to come in, back from break. Uh-huh. No, okay, well, that's their lar- That's their longest road. Yeah, streak.
1: it's a seven seven game roadie. And here's the thing, Tara: When do the Blazers or when have this? iteration of the Blazers played their best basketball every single year.
0: They always play it right after the all-star break.
1: So like, I'm looking at that, even though it's a seven game roadie, the team's coming off of mm-hmm. a, a week's rest. So it's not going to be like, you know, they're, they're playing on tired legs. Now they, they could mm-hmm. be off. They may not be in rhythm and that could end up just backfiring completely, but they're going to have rest. It's a time of the year when this team has played stellar the last three years. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you've got a mixture of opponents there that probably aren't going to be very good. Um,
0: and then it really picks up after after that in March too.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> here's the crazy thing as as much as I have Portland really struggling um, in the early season and as tough as March looks, this flies in the face of everything, but I actually have them as as March is their best month of the season.
0: Yeah, I don't think March looks that, in my opinion, Mar- I, March doesn't look that, I mean, I'm just looking at the little W's and L's I wrote by the thing, by, you know, what I what I think that they're going to do, mm-hmm. and I had March going pretty well for them.
1: I had, I had Portland going 10 and 5 in March. It's their best month. Mm-hmm. That looks
0: um, like about what I have, too.
1: Okay, so what was the number you ultimately landed on for total wins?
0: Okay, so I had I had two different numbers. Okay. So I have like I have the one number where I just like woke up this morning one morning and I was like, oh my god, the Blazers are gonna win thirty six games, and that was just like that was like the universe just telling me this is what you're this is what the universe is telling me. So But remember, my universe is aim low, what is it called? Like uh, under promise over deliver. Mm -hmm. So my universe is under promise over deliver. So that's why one morning I just woke up and I was like, oh my God, the Blazers are winning 36 games. When I penciled it out and looked at all of it, I came up with 45. So I know that those are like really that's, far that's apart. A,
1: that's that. a wide, wide range.
0: <laughs> I know. So I've got my my gut, or I have the universe telling me 36, and I've got my gut telling me 45. And I'm going to guess that you're somewhere in the middle.
1: <laughs> so I ran, I too have multiple numbers. So as we talked about over the last couple of weeks, I run my simulations. Um, and I do my hand pick. So I, this is, let's run through this so everybody knows the way I do this. I, I do my hand pick just on the matchup alone. So when the schedule drops, I do like what everybody else does. Win, loss, win, loss. I don't factor in road. I don't factor in road trip. I don't factor in history. It's just win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. Then I do my next one, which factors in time of year, um, matchup, as far as you know, time of year, location, home, road, um, history, uh, and by history, I mean how teams have played in those matches before, new personnel, um, what time of year they're playing, um, things of that nature. And so my first one, my first hand pick came out with 39 wins.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My uh, adjusted one came out with 41. Um, and oh, this it is, went
0: up with adjustments. Interesting. Yes.
1: And then I ran everything through my simulator and... The most likely scenario, the bell curve, as it were,
0: the one is, that you came up with most, right? Because when you say you run a simulation, you like do the season over and over and over 10, again oh, a bunch times. of times.
1: Yep. Okay. And the number that it landed on most frequently was thirty-seven.
0: Oh. So
1: that's why I said it was interesting that the number that you picked was thirty-six because that was so actually the universe this,
0: and your simulators. That was
1: actually the second highest. 36 was the second highest with 38 and 30. So like, and when it comes to probability, so 37 was the highest number. Okay. 37 wins was, was the, was the most frequent occurrence. 36 was the second highest. Okay. Um, 38, then 39 and then 35. Um, So
0: your simulator said 37.
1: Yes. Um, so, but when I when I run the average out, it ends up being uh just under or excuse me, just over 38. When mm-hmm. I run the average out, it's 38.2. So Okay.
0: Which so what's your number?
1: So, I'm I think I'm going to stick on 40. And this has and here's the thing. When I ran these, um this had nothing to do with me picking the under. I actually had uh-huh. Chad next to me at the studio when I was doing everything and I, I was keeping him updated, like where I was landing at. I'm like, this is not me picking anything. Like when I picked, when I hand picked everything, I'm like, I, I'm telling him out loud. I'm like, I am not counting how many wins or losses I have right now. So it wasn't like, well, I need to uh, make up for a win here or make up for a loss there. It was like, this is just going through. And it was just, it was really strange that I landed on that number. So uh-huh the 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 simulations are, are telling me 38 which is much lower than i expected it to be i'll be i'll be mm-hmm. totally honest because my number last week when i was just kind of looking at the last year's schedule and how things would play how things played out maybe there was some some bias in how portland finished out the season for me but i had what was it i had it at 40 what was the line i set last week i think it was was it 42 and a half it's 42 and a half or 43 and a half i think is what it was um and it, it, that's That's substantially higher than than thirty seven, obviously. So, uh, what
0: number? I I got one one more number question. What mm -hmm. number do you What number do you think is going to be needed to make it to the playoffs in the West?
1: (sighs) Probably forty three or forty four. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for anybody who's sitting there like, Oh, Dan's a pessimist. This isn't, this isn't about the blazers because the blazers themselves as a team, I think are going to be about the same. People can talk about how Stauskas and Gary Trent jr. And Anthony Simons and, and, uh, Seth Curry are, are going to be a better addition to the team than Shabazz Navy or Pat that, that That's fine. Um, I don't, don't think it's going to be very drastic. Um, and if it is drastic, then it's going to be something that nobody sees coming. Um, but mm-hmm. it's more about the rest of the changes in the Western Conference. Like the the Suns are going to steal a win from this Blazers team. Mm-hmm. The Memphis Grizzlies are going to steal a win from this team. Like that's just yeah, t-
0: teams aren't going to be as bad.
1: No, no, like, the, the, the floor, bad teams aren't
0: going to be as bad.
1: Like Sacramento's still going to be bad. <laughs> Sacramento's still <laughs> going to be bad because they they didn't take Doncic. They they blew it. But the team that did in Dallas, yeah,
0: Dallas Dallas, is, Dallas can put out a lineup potential.
1: of Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, Doncic, Harrison Barnes, Dirk Nowitzki, DeAndre Jordan, and Andrew have West <laughs> and have and have West Matthews coming off the bench.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Like that's that's a good team. That's a team that that can really give you fits. The Phoenix is out there, you know, with Devin Booker, Josh Jackson, Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton. Like that's on paper, that's a team that can give a team fits. So it's not about how I think Portland's going to be bad or regress. I think Portland's going to be about the same team that they were. It's just that they had 27 games last year, Tara, that were within five points. You know what their record mm-hmm. was in those 27 games? What was it? 14 and 13. And for those that don't hmm. know, five points, that's a a—that's a coin toss. That's, that's the average margin of victory in the NBA It's five points. That's why I isolated these games. So the Blazers were a coin toss and coin toss matchups.
0: Mm-hmm. So if if you're so it could have gone either way.
1: Yeah, so if you're hoping that Portland gets better, they have to they have their, their margin of victory must has to be stronger and more consistent. And I just don't see that with teams that are on the lower end of the bracket getting better.
0: So you think it's going to be one of those years where cuz you know how sometimes it's a year like where they had all these wins but they still didn't make the playoffs. It's going to go the other way this year where it's going to be a lower um a lower number I think teams outside of off. Golden
1: State are going to beat the crap out of each other. Mm-hmm. That's what I think it's going to be, and it's going to make mm-hmm. the West, uh, quote unquote, to, you know, look weak to the to the category. because they're going to have
0: lo- they're going to have lower uh, win record. Yeah, numbers. I, I
1: think for the most part, because they're all the going to be playing each other
0: four times.
1: Yeah, because th- I think the NBA is 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 more competitive now once you remove Golden State. Like I think every team below that is very competitive. Are there winners and losers in in the the top end and low end of the race? Absolutely, there's no doubt. Like Houston's still a good team. Now they they could definitely see some serious drop off with their wings, you know, flying the coop, and then adding Carmelo Anthony. Like those are all those are all negative negative additions. Yeah. Um, oh,
0: but Olympic Mellow is going to show up because he's got. Chris Paul and James Harden do all the work for him. And all he has to do is shoot. (laughs) I can't
1: wait for the first time Chris Paul loses it with Melo. It's going to be great. But, um, (laughs) I, 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 as much as I don't like the way that golden state has stacked, I think some of that stagnation has forced these teams to be smarter about a lot of the things they're doing. And that's why we're seeing some player retention. God, I hate that word. Um, but I think that's why you're not seeing a a ton of movement. And that's why I think you're seeing a lot of one year deals being handed out. Um, and I think that's making things more competitive because
0: they're waiting for two more years so that everybody can go on the market at the same time. And there'll be just the massive shakeup in two years. Well,
1: yeah. The other thing about that, I I, I think it's kind of funny just just touching on the salary cap stuff here real quick. Like I, I know these guys all want to do this at the same time, um, to allow that flexibility for their own personal gains, but what's lost in that quite frequently is that when these guys do that, there's a lot less money to go around. Uh-huh. And I think that's, that's going to cause some really weird changes around the NBA again. And I don't think things are going to go the way that people expect them to, but that's, that's not for, for right now. This is, this is about wins and losses. Um, let's put it, let's right. go with, let's go with this Tara. How many wins do you think it's going to take for the eighth seed to make the playoffs?
0: yeah that's why i asked you because i don't know <laughs> you know um, your, your gut feeling I, I,
1: like where are you going with it
0: well i think what you said makes a lot of sense you know low 40s yeah now i mean i think there's going to be like you said a lot of teams beating up on each other and a lot of teams who are uh you know have the uh yeah no it's I, I just keep going to the everybody in the West has to play each other at least three, but mostly four times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's going to add up so that, fast. And, and
1: there's no nights <laughs> off.
0: Uh-huh. Like even if you think about a yeah. team
1: like Sacramento, who is does weird things. How tight has Sacramento played Portland over the last couple of years with or without Boogie? Like those games have been a, just a complete just circus mm-hmm. show it's always
0: a good it's always a good game against Sacramento it, it bare, yeah
1: <laughs> bare minimum it's, it's been entertaining because you know you have the Willie Colley Stein game remember that game he just went absolutely ham
0: mm-hmm. I mean yeah. <laughs> well most... I mean that's, that's how Portland plays there's always one player that goes off they yeah. always let one person feast and then the job is to guard everybody else. And whether or not the Blazers continue to play like that, I'm, I'm really curious to find out, to kind of switch gears a little bit, I'm, I'm really curious to find out if they are going to keep playing the, the same offense and the same defense that they've been playing and just continue to shore that up, or if they're going to try something different. If they're going to do like Toronto did and be like, we're going to change how we do it, but we're going to keep everybody the same. Yeah. Or if they're just going to keep doing the same thing, I'm. I just like. I feel like the way that the, the the. I feel like the league is going in a different direction, and Portland is kind of holding fast. I'm not saying that they're like falling behind or everything, but they're like sticking with this one thing that they've been working so hard for several years to perfect, and the league has started to go in a different direction because things now change so quickly. The way people play changes so quickly.
1: So, and
0: it, did that lead us into our next topic? Yeah, I was going to say, that, <laughs> yeah. that's a
1: pretty nice segue into uh, the statistical trends of the NBA over the past 30 or so
0: years. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, you want to go ahead and introduce it? Yeah, so
1: Ed Kupfer has is, is, charted uh, NBA statistical trends since 1980. And... That includes pace, turnover percentage, uh, offensive rebound percentage, assist percentage, steal percentage, block percentage, two point and three point and free throw percentage.
0: Pretty much the regular box score yep. plus some two percenta- point yep. Bunch of percentages. Yep,
1: two point assists per possession, or excuse me, two point attempts per possession and three point attempts per possession, as well as free throw attempts per possession. And obviously, there's some correlations here. Um, two point attempts going down because three point attempts are going up. I think most people would assume that's. You know, that's what's exactly what's happening. Uh-huh. Um, but one trend that pertains particularly to Portland is the steady, steady, steady and rapid decline of offensive rebounding percentage. I think that's a good place to start. Tara, when I uh-huh. say offensive rebounding percentage in the Portland Trailblazers, what do you think?
0: I think Ed Davis. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I used to think, anyway. I mean, I mean, I I can just see him. I can just see him going for offensive rebounds, getting those little putbacks. I I see the Blazers being pretty efficient in scoring off of offensive rebounds. So and, um, I'm looking at the the graph of it just to describe it to people. I, I you'll probably put this tweet in there, but for mm-hmm. people who who don't see it, I mean the gra- the graph is like of all of them the offensive rebounding percentage so the it, percentage of, of offensive rebounds that they grab just goes straight down. <laughs> it is
1: the steadiest trend line I have seen without like adding a trend line in quite some time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they're, I they're, mean, the, there's
1: very 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 few spikes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and the yeah, overall that's... trend is I mean it started at, at almost especially
0: over the last 10 years. Yeah.
1: I mean it went from 33 34% down to 22% and that may not sound like a lot but that's that's staggering. Like, the, the mm-hmm. highest offensive rebounding percentage in the league last year was 27%. Mm-hmm. O- almost and 28%. What Portland
0: last year?
1: Uh, Portland finished 10th at 23%. Mm-hmm. So, the difference between the first and 10th best team is roughly 5%, because the Thunder mm-hmm. were, were at number one, we're almost at 28%. But there is kind of a loose correlation here between winning teams and rebound percentage. Uh, it should be offensive rebound percentage because the worst teams in the league at uh, the offensive rebounding, the Dallas Mavericks, the Orlando Magic, the Pelicans, the Cavs, the Bucks, the Bulls, and the Nets. Now, the next one is the Warriors. And there's obviously a trend there because they don't have as many offensive rebounds because they shoot the lights out. But if you look at the other teams here, the Dallas Mavericks were the worst team in the league. Who did they just sign?
0: Uh, DeAndre
1: Jordan. What are they looking to shore? What are they looking to shore up?
0: <laughs> so like, even up. even
1: yeah. though it's not as as valuable, teams still notice these trends. Um, okay.
0: So how much of it is because? Do you think? The, the coaches and the coaching staff, how much of it is because they're hanging on to the four factors and offensive rebounding has always been one of the four factors ever since Dean Oliver started talking about them?
1: It's still a viable tool. it's it's it, uh-huh. But it has changed drastically in the coaching ranks um, from send, you know, when, when it's time for offensive rebounding, you send two or more to the glass to never send more than one. Like the, mm-hmm. your, okay. your general strategy around the NBA is never send more than one. And where Portland has done well is that when they send one, they send one who's really damn good at it. So over, over okay. the, just think about this over the last six, seven years. Joel Freeland, Robin Lopez, Yusuf Nurkic, mm-hmm. Ed Davis. Like the Blazers have had somebody who is really, really, really good at securing and getting to or tapping out offensive rebounds. Like think about what do you remember Robin Lopez most for?
0: Well, for his free throw routine, but then after that, for him just been hanging around close to the rim,
1: tipping out rebounds.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like yeah. he, he, he was the master of the tip out, kick out three, re, you know, rebound and three, right.
0: like the accurate tip. out. Yeah. Rebound. It, was, it, was, <laughs> it was fantastic.
1: Uh, I remember like Joel Freeland, every time he seemed to get an offensive rebound, it led to a, like, like the, the assist and field goal percentage rate on a Joel Freeland offensive rebound, it's probably one of the highest in NBA history. Like it was absurd. It seemed like every time he grabbed an offensive rebound, it was like, oh, there's three points. Like it was almost always a offensive rebound for Freeland kicked out to the backside to Wes Matthews standing there ready to can a three. And it was one of my favorite things of that era. It was like the one thing you could count on every night was a Joel Freeland offensive rebound kick out three. It was one of those like totally random things that was always fun, right?
0: Well, but this goes this goes back to my question of Are the Blazers going to change? Are they going to continue to um, you know rely on offensive rebounds more so than the other two thirds of the league? Now that uh, Ed Davis is gone, are they going to hope somebody else steps into that, or are they going to come up with another plan? What like what do you think?
1: Uh, I think that's part of Terry Stotts' strategy is to get a fair amount of these per night. So where they are lucky is that use of Nurkic is very good at this as well. Nurkic actually led the team in, in offensive, excuse me, offensive rebounds last year, 2.4. Ed was at 2.3. Now as a percentage, Ed pulled down more. Obviously Nurkic is pulling down 0.1 more, but he's also playing seven, eight more minutes, has more opportunities. Yeah. Um, but Nurkic is a very, very good offensive rebounder. Um, Mm -hmm. beyond that, um, it's...
0: So when Nurkic isn't in, because that's when Ed came in, is when Nurkic wasn't exactly.
1: in. Exactly. Um, I'm not confident enough in Zach Collins' rebounding ability to say he's going to be good on either side of the boards yet.
0: But I know there's one young fella that yes. you are pretty confident in uh, re- his ability to rebound. That's, that's Caleb Swanigan, <laughs> yeah. like People can yes. say what they want to hear
1: about Caleb Swanigan, but Caleb Swanigan can do three things on the NBA level that I can just say without even remotely considering otherwise. And that's, he can rebound the ball, he can set screens, and he can play make. And if he can find a way to be a, a shooter somewhere, to be consistent somewhere else other than those three th- three places, then he can be good. Like, he, I mean, by, not by, just by good, I mean, he can be in the rotation. Mm-hmm. So that may be a spot that Portland looks to gather back those rebounds that they're losing from Ed Davis. But there's also the chance that Portland plays Jake Lehman at the four. There's also a chance that, that Alfred Camino plays some more four. now. O- Aminu rebounded very, very well for his size last year. Um, he was actually third best on the team in offensive rebounding. Um, but if you look at his total rebound numbers for a minute, his rebound rate, like it's, it's great for his size and for his position, mm-hmm. but he's not up there with, you know, the, the top rebounders in the league uh, at that position. Um people can can be excited about zach Collins. I, I hope he gets it, but typically, guys that have the ability to offensive rebound, regardless of how long they're out there for, they just do it. You know what I mean? When you see mm-hmm. somebody who's a rebounder, DeAndre Jordan's a rebounder. Zach Randolph is a rebounder. Kevin Love is a rebounder. Ed, Yusuf. like those guys gobble it up regardless of how mm-hmm. long they're out there. And I just haven't seen that from Zach yet. so. Right. Um, I, I'm waiting on that now. Caleb. Every time we've seen that dude on the floor, he's just gobbling up rebounds. So yeah, it's it's one of those things where I'm I'm totally totally happy with that.
0: So in terms of other statistical trends since 1980, are there? Uh, the, the one that I want to end up talking about is the free throw attempts per possessions. Cause that Mm -hmm. has gone down a whole bunch, but do you want to talk about any other ones before we get to there? Like you said, it's like pretty obvious that the three point attempts per possession have gone way up. Two point possessions have gone way down. The three point shooting percentage like took a, uh, you know, had a big trajectory up until about the two thousands. And then it's kind of evened out at a much higher rate than it was in 1980, um, You know, free throw percentage is staying pretty steady. Free throw percentage is just one of those things. Yeah, free throw percentages are kind of all over the place. Uh, Steals have slightly dipped, blocks have slightly risen, assists pretty much the same. Um, But the yeah, should we just go to the free free throw attempts? Um, Yeah, the
1: only other one I would say is that it's. I think it's a little bit interesting that the block percentage has been a a steady rise Mm because. If you think about it, well, this will kind of lead into free throw percentage or free throw attempts, is that if the block percentage is going up and free throw attempts are going down, that's that's kind of interesting. Does that mean people are getting better at at blocking shots? Or are the shots that are two-pointers... less contested and that's why you see the field goal percentage because that's that's the other one that that's that jumps out a ton is the two-point field goal percentage is up significantly the highest Uh it's been in the last and since 1980 like it's 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 not even close so it's 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 strange to see those correlations pop up obviously if you're if you're making more shots then there's less free throws because more if the free throws are actually taking away from the two-point field goal percentage so um but when we talk about the value, I think, of free throws, the, because the attempts are dropping and because they are, quote unquote, the easy points, the more valuable easy points that you can generate on a non-shooting night, I think it's important to realize that those that can generate free throws um, do it at a significantly higher rate than um, most others around the league right now. Like the value of what James Harden and Dwayne or uh, Dwayne Wade used to do, and Damian Lillard can do now, is significant. Like, they, it's to draw the drawing those fouls. Because again, going back to the margin of victory being five mm-hmm. points or less, a guy yeah, who can get to the line seven point eight to eight point two nights a game and shoot a ninety percent clip, those are points that you can typically count on night in and night out. Because when you have that reputation, when you have that ability. Um, there are very, 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 very few nights. I am more comfortable with a guy who uh, gets the line eight times a game than I am with a guy who shoots 40% for the season. And I, I know that's kind of like talking about how Dame is, how he can be hot and how he can have an off night. But the, the thing about the guy that gets the line eight times a game on those off nights... How many times did we find Damian Lillard on his off shooting nights? Still find a way yeah, to get he it done. Still got
0: to the line, sure. Yeah, and
1: mm-hmm. that's I, I think the importance of free throw attempts becomes much larger when there's only a select few who are really good at it.
0: Right. Well, and it's 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 really interesting because I'm looking at the graph, and it has it is at its lowest average that it's been since 1980 by a pretty significant mm-hmm. amount after a slight. Slight spike in the, you know, in the 90s and up until around, like, 2005. And then it just went steadily down, 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 down. So, I mean, what do you think is causing that? And do you think it has anything to do with the interactions with the refs that, you know, people really started talking about and noticing last year? Or is that, like, a completely separate
1: I think, issue, it, that, think? that's a separate issue. I think it's a, it has a lot to do with analytics, um, teams. There were there are a lot of teams at the forefront of this, and I also think the way that the game is played, the space and pace, so to so to speak, and that a, a big part of that is you know, I think w- when you think about free throw attempts, a lot of people think about guys driving to the rim, but when with this three point shooting and spacing, who's not getting the ball anymore? The big men. People
0: in the mid range.
1: No, oh. no, the big men, mid mid range too, but the big men are, I think the ones that impacted the most. And the reason why those free throw attempts are going down are – and I, if I, this is why I, I think that the, the counter to the, the pace and space is always going to be a, a, a Shaq or a David Robinson type who can shoot free throws. Like mm-hmm. if, if you were incredibly dominant inside, if you have the size and the strength and the, and the skill to be incredibly dominant inside – that will alter how this game is played. And it's it's not about necessarily how much the game has changed as much as how much the personnel has changed. Like how many guys are coming in the mm-hmm. league built like David Robinson or Shaq? Like we, we, we just don't have those guys. Now you've got, I think we're, we're starting to see the return of that in Joel Embiid and DeAndre Aiden. I think you're starting to see some of these guys who are just otherworldly huge um, and make a lot of their living around the, around the rim. And with that, when these guys start demanding double teams either the 3 point percentage is going to spike or or teams are going to start fouling these big guys again because mm-hmm. the the free throw attempts that were historically high or higher early on had a lot to do with how regularly teams played in the paint and in the post just i mean just think about like watching basketball in the 80s and 90s there was, right, there was just, just a ton it of post.
0: All taking because it was just all taking place right there where they were going to get those mm-hmm. where they were going to get those calls as opposed to like somebody running and getting a nice open shot. Like there's no there's a reason they're open is because there's nobody around them to foul them exactly. <laughs> like there's nobody to guard them or foul them.
1: So, sure. Okay.
0: It, it, yeah. So when you've got people running and trying to get open, they're also running and trying to get away from other bodies. And if other bodies are not near them to block them, they're also not near them to foul them. Exactly. So, okay. Uh, that makes sense. So there was a, uh, on CJ's, uh, let's see, I think it was on his latest podcast, he was actually talking about his ability or actually inability to get to the rim and he talked because he was talking about what it is he's going to be working on this year and Mm -hmm. cj called out that uh he was like yeah i need to get better at doing that he talked about getting um better at uh and we've talked about it before too about that and then just spending a lot of time this summer studying angles and learning about angles so that he Mm -hmm. can further exploit all of those um so we'll see we'll see if that uh that comes to fruition. I mean, you wrote a piece this weekend about C.J. and I think I got the gist of it. And since I have you here, I want to make sure that I <laughs> I can ask you to make sure that I that I understood. So here's what I I believe you were writing in this article about C.J., which was called "Well, the real C.J. McCollum, please stand up" or something like that, right? Yep. Um, so, C, so I think this is what you're saying. So CJ had a great year in 2016-7. Like, it was such a great year that there are very few and very elite players who ever Achieve had that such status. a good season. Nope. Yeah, number-wise. Like, with the amount, the amount of shooting and the accuracy and yeah, the
1: Yeah,
0: 48-42-91. Right. So I think what you're saying is that CJ is at the top of his game. Mm-hmm. Like, waiting for him to get better isn't going to move the needle as much for the Blazers as improvement from other players. Like he's, he's at his ceiling. He may be able to get a little bit higher, Mm -hmm. but thinking that his improvement is going to be what moves the needle the most for the Trailblazers is we need to be looking elsewhere for something. I think that was what you were getting at in your, uh, in your piece. Did I miss something? No,
1: the, the only other thing is I, I would say that people need to appreciate McCollum for what he is. And I know how weird that sounds coming from me because I've been an advocate for trading him. Um, uh-huh. Just because I, I praise a guy doesn't mean I also don't think that he's the, the best fit or the perfect fit. It also doesn't mean I, I, I think he's a perfect player. Like, reading some of the comments that I've, I've gone back through, there are people like, well, you're, you're, you're not you know, accounting for his free throw rate or free throw percentage. I'm like, I, I know, folks. I, I've written about his free throw rate. But what I'm talking about is that As far as shooting goes, there are very, very, very few players in NBA history with the offensive workload that C.J. McCollum has that has been as efficient as he has been from the field. To take over 15 or 18 shots a game and still shoot at the level that he's shooting at is absurd. And so to expect C.J. McCollum to return to that 2016-17 form, which is otherworldly as far as shooting splits are concerned... It was the difference between a couple points. Like Mm -hmm. so I mean he he his his quote unquote down season he could get. (laughs) Yeah. The quote unquote down season that he had last year to get from there to where he back was at twenty sixteen, seventeen, it's 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 not that big of a difference. Like he's still shooting un ungodly good. Uh-huh. Like, just take that and appreciate it and realize how good like his shooting ability and prowess is. Be critical of his shortcomings. That's fine. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking when when people say, "Well, if CG returns to his form of 2016, 17, why?" Like, I understand you. want him to, but what what about the history makes you think that he's going to return to one of the like the greatest shooting seasons we've ever seen?
0: And and I think also that you're saying is that if he does the amount of extra points that is going to lead to isn't significant aren't, is isn't going to be significant enough i mean it's going to get him closer with all those 5 point games but it's not necessarily going to be such a big leap that it's going to take him over the top so they need to we need to look elsewhere for the game changing yes, development yes like
1: if you're looking for development within this um, team I don't want to say put your hope in Harkless or Collins, but like the 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 growth op- Nurkic is probably the best example. Like the growth opportunity for Nurkic is is there uh-huh. because his field goal percentage. Yeah, was, he's going to
0: start dunking.
1: Yeah, I mean his field goal percentage was crap. I mean let's just call it what it is. Like you, the I saw the people like, well Nurkic is going to need to get twenty shots a night to get to twenty and ten. Not really. Like I, it's very he's, easy for me to see Nurkic getting to seventeen or nineteen points just by upping his field goal percentage and getting to the line a little bit. Like that's, mm-hmm. it's really not that difficult. Um, yeah.
0: So you could see like a, 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 you know, five or six point increase in his output. Without so, his usage. Yeah. Reasonable. Without,
1: yeah. Without his usage going through the roof. Right. Like, right. He just needs to be more efficient. Like if, if mm-hmm. he goes from 50% to 60% with the amount of field goals that he gets, that's a pretty significant bump. If he if mm-hmm. he is able to get to the free throw line more efficiently by being more physical, that's another bump that he gets. Um, like, I, I don't think it's hard by really any search of the imagination to uh, imagine Nurkic being a 17 to 19 and 11 guy this year. Like, I think that's kind uh-huh. of the bar of where he needs to be. If he's not there, then, po- then probably in trouble. Um, right. But as far as CJ goes, it, it was more it was, it was the, what I went into that was was twofold was let's appreciate him for what he is. He's a damn good shooter second of all, let's probably stop looking towards him and Dame to be the guys to take another leap. Like Damian Lillard taking a leap last year. I've seen people say that Dame still has the ability to go further. That'd be great. But expecting him to go further, you're talking about MVP level production for, for an entire season. And I love Damian Lillard. And if he's able to do that by God, he will go down as probably the best trailblazer in, 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 in blazer history. But, to expect that level of growth or assume that level of growth is a little absurd to me. Like if you're looking for growth within this team, you need to look at places other than those two guys because they are pretty much giving you everything at this point.
0: Right. Well, it makes, it makes sense to me and it, and it kind of sounds like too, you're going into that sort of protective mode where you're trying to protect their expectations that, you know, if they play like they did last year, that, people shouldn't think that they are letting us down. Yeah. I don't think they will because, I mean, the way they played last year, even if it wasn't at, you know, CJ's 2016-17 season, you know, the way they played last year, if they can maintain that, you know, that'll be a good thing. And then if everybody else can add a few more points, that's more significant than either one of them being able to just, like, squeeze out another point or or two.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's – I don't know if it's protective is more of just maybe, maybe it is protective. I think, I think, it is. I think part of it's it a, is, it's
0: a kindler gentler Papa bear dance.
1: Yeah. I think part of it is that the understanding that not just the protective side of it, but like the, the, the statistical side of it, like the analytical side of this is like uh-huh. your, your return, your, your rate of return, you know, is limited. Like right. you, you have well, diminishing yeah. returns once you get to a certain level.
0: Well, and the way that you, that we've talked about it tonight helps me see that like CJ scoring two more points, you know, averaging two more points is going to be harder and less impactful than three other guys improving by two points each. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? or one point each, even if they just, you know, increase it by a little bit, that, um, you know, that if if the focus is more on getting them to be able to up their production. And it's not so much, like you said, with Yusuf Nurkic, it's not so much for that they need more opportunity, they just need to capitalize on the opportunity that they're getting. And then we'll see what happens when Stauskas and uh, Curry Correct. come in the lineup. Mm-hmm.
1: That, that's that's pretty much the long and short of it. But yeah. yeah, okay, so I didn't get to this part of it when we were talking about it earlier. Because you need to be on record. You, you have to have the, the, the one you can call back to. Now seeing the schedule, considering health for everybody, do the Trailblazers make the playoffs?
0: <sighs> I don't know. I'm, I, I can't I can't make that call. I don't know.
1: Well, how many wins do you have I, them getting? I'm not going to say. What, what number are you going to land on?
0: I have two numbers. I'm not going to choose. You can't make me choose. I'm either 36 or 45. <laughs> whoever's closest. So I say 36, you say 40, I say 45, and whoever's closest wins.
1: Oh, well, I'm glad I took the, the mean there.
0: Well, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're usually the one that answers the question. Well, it can be both. No. Well, you know what, Dan? It can be both. <laughs> I can have two numbers. <laughs> I have two numbers. I have the one that universe delivered me, and uh, I have the one that I figured out by writing little W's and L's down.
1: You, you know how ironic so it is. I'm sticking it, by That it. the number of the universe you d- delivered you is damn near the same one that my simulations came up with. That's
0: um, your universe. No, Dan, and... Do you know how ironic <laughs> it is? <laughs>
1: Because those are it's
0: way more funny because your universe you came up with that by running your numbers. Cause all I had to do was wake up in the morning and it was right there. Well, I mean the fact <laughs> you had that to, you like use computers and stuff,
1: <laughs> the fact that your universe is pulling up my numbers. Um... I think
0: your numbers are, uh, fa- are uh, copying my universe. Oh, okay. And before we recorded this show, uh, you wanted to tell me what your number was. And I told you not to yeah. tell you, tell me your number.
1: I, I actually kind of laughed laugh when you said that. I was like, wow, that's, that's crazy, because I I figured you yeah. were going to go you with, don't like... Don't
0: sleep on me, Dan.
1: I figured you were going to go with, like, 44 45. Don't sleep 45. On me in the universe. I figured the number you were going to take was 44 or 45. That seems to be, like... Yeah, that seems yeah. to be the consensus, I think, is 44 or 45. I've seen some people, like, oh, Blazers win 50, you know? Like, God bless your optimism. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't see a world 45 is
0: my ceiling if everything goes great and, you know, all... Everything breaks exactly right. I think that's 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 the ceiling. So, but I think you know what? We've managed to come up with an hour's worth of content. One more one more time, Dan. We did it. We were going to make this a short one, and look what happened. Yeah, we're, we're still just, we're still under. even though there's nothing going on. But M- much like the Blazers still this year, year we're, we're
1: still on, we still have the under.
0: <laughs> oh god, that
1: tortilla chip! I think we should suck. wrap it up, though. Yeah, let's go. I go go think ahead. We should wrap it up. Put a bow on it, Tara. Put a bow I on. Think it.
0: I think we should just do a nice dinner for whoever gets closest. Okay. Me with my two numbers and you're with your one number. Okay. We'll have a nice, very civilized dinner.
1: That's fair for the uh, should, should we invite one wild walnut, Dwayne Downey, since he won the inaugural two K League MVP?
0: That would be that would be great. If you can get a hold of him and ask him to come along well, then I think we'll have to split his bill. Yeah. How about that? Probably. Although does he get any big MVP money with his NBA two K? You know what? Do they have a they, big cash-out prize?
1: Those guys were getting paid better than the than the G-Leaguers, so... Right. Um, well,
0: and when they win the championship, they'll, they do, be, they, they'll they, be more. Yeah,
1: they're, they, and he has... They, they've brought home tournament winnings, so... Yeah, eh, so
0: the, he should take us out.
1: Yeah, we'll, well, I'll reach out and see what see what he says.
0: All right, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, we're, they're going to the... They start next week, right? Yes. With the playoffs?
1: Yes, 2K League yeah. playoffs start next week. Blazers, uh, the Blazer 5 Gaming does have the number one seed, so... That's something cool to look forward to um, as we yeah. get ready to gear up for training camp here in a, about a month. So almost there, folks. Uh-huh. Almost there. Tara, let everybody know where they can phone you. <laughs>
0: Okay, you can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter. You can also find my other podcast at Hoops and Talks, which also shows up in the Blazers Edge podcast feed. We recently had Amara Baptist on. She is the newest uh, digital content manager for the Trailblazers, and it was great to get to know her and learn a little bit more about her. She did say that she grew up a Laker fan, and some people picked up on that in the comments. But you know what? <laughs> we are That's the happy only to thing have anybody takes from that. she is brilliant and she's funny and she's clever and you know she's going to be behind all the social media that we see from the trailblazers so it was great to get a chance to talk to her if people haven't listened to that episode they should do that she is very
1: very good at what she does for those that don't don't know she did run the grizzlies account for the last couple seasons Um, and if you look around the nba i think most people would agree that the blazers have had the best content team for the last couple years but seemed like i hate saying this out loud but julie fair who runs the the warriors account has been fantastic and amara has also been fantastic running the uh memphis account like those are some of the best accounts in in not just in the nba but in pro sports and the blazers are really lucky to have her
0: yes and you can get to know her on the latest episode of the women's hoops and Talk podcast yes
1: um let's see you can find me on Twitter at DMering at D M A R A N G. Also Tuesday and Thursday nights for the next few weeks. The Blazers Outsiders and WC Sports Northwest with Chamberlain and Joe Simons. We do have some schedule teams coming up the upcoming season that We'll be talking about um, here pretty soon. I can't wait to make some make some cool announcements. Uh, the 19th of August, Shane, Jill, and I will be out at the Rip City Cornhole Tournament at the Moda Center, out on the Moda parking structure. So I think there's a few spots. Left. I think there's like a day left to register. So if you want to go ahead and check that out. Um, other than that, um, I think that about wraps it up for this week. If you guys, if you guys have questions, comments, concerns, Tara, work, what's the email they can drop it to?
0: It's blazersedgepod at
1: gmail.com. Perfect. All right, folks. Again, if you have questions, comments, concerns, drop us a message via email or on Twitter to either one of our handles or the Blazers Edge channel. And we love talking about, you know, listener, uh, listener reader uh, questions. So if you got them, shoot them our way. For Tara, I'm Danny. Um, remember, like, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, everywhere else for your podcasting. We are part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. And until next week, we'll catch you then. Bye.